0: While Alex doesn't have much of a shot of hitting his New Year's resolution to lose those 20 pounds before the end of the year, there's still plenty of time to take advantage of some cool planning strategies to end the year right.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Retire With Style. I'm Wade. I'm here with my co-host, Alex, and we're joined by a repeat guest, Rob Cordeaux, who impressed us so much last time that we thought we'd have him back again, uh, Rob Cordeaux from McLean Asset Management. To talk about year-end planning issues, because there's a lot of financial planning issues that come up with the deadline of the end of the year on the horizon, that being a deadline for many different types of taxes and so forth. So we're really looking forward to having an in-depth conversation with Rob in today's episode about the types of issues you'll want to be thinking about at the end of each year, but in particular, the no no time better than the present. So what do you want to be doing before the end of 2023? So thank you, Rob, for joining us again on the show. You had so many great analogies and things last time. We thought, well, we need to hear from you well, again thanks a lot. get some of that. Answer. Thanks.
2: Good to be here. Yeah, Rob. No, we wait, wait. Remember today we had our company Friday meeting today, and and uh, we were talking about year end stuff. Like, okay, if you know, get all client requests in by such and such, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> so we can work with our custodians accordingly, and. Uh, Paula even mentioned uh, the podcast we did with Rob and and how well received it was. So, so he got rewarded by being asked to another one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you do a good job, you get more. (laughs) Both
3: unpunished, I
2: guess. (laughs) But but yeah yeah right. So so Rob, why don't you you know this is kind of your episode to a large extent. Yeah. You're you're talking to a consumer. You're at a party. And they say, "Hey, what should I be doing? It's end of year stuff. What should I be thinking about?" Because I do think there are certain times of the year that are that are sort of inflection points for planning, right? And they're not, and they're not April thirteenth or April fourteenth or, or something like that. They're kind of around now, right? And so, why don't you take it away? Uh, well, first, good,
3: good question. I would say your hypothetical. Uh, because I'm so busy with tax planning, I would never be at a party this time of year because I'm too busy. <laughs> for clients.
2: Is that what it is? Is yeah, that yeah. what it is, Rob? Really? <laughs> really? That's what it is? <laughs> what it is? Okay. Um, but- <laughs> Wait, remind me to have a separate conversation with Rob after this meeting <laughs> <laughs> about denial.
3: <Yeah.
1: laughs> i have to take you down to Miami and have a yeah, cigar. Is-
3: exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, the first thing I look at, it's kind of funny. Usually we talk about tax planning and most people are in the mind of thinking, well, let's find a way to reduce taxes and let's get those things done before year end. But occasionally I come across clients who are actually in the opposite mode. Uh, They're in a unique situation where they're looking to or they should be looking to increase income. So that's sort of my first step is uh, find out what my objective is. I'll give you an example. If someone uh, lost a job partway through the year, uh, or they took a sabbatical, or they retired this year and their income is much lower than it's been in prior years, those are all income years where their income's lower. They're likely in a lower tax bracket, and I might not necessarily be looking to max out a four hundred one k or, or you know, in some way push income down. I might be looking to increase income with something like a Roth conversion. or So the first step is just figuring out what my objective is, which I, I might not know without a, a series of other questions, but that's the first step. Uh, but for the typical uh, working client, uh, that's usually where they're at. They're usually in a higher bracket uh, in their working years, then they'll be in retirement. So we are usually looking for income reduction techniques, or income deferral techniques, uh, something that we can do to push an income into a future year if possible, so that we can put less income in that higher bracket during their working years. If it's a retiree, then there's a lot of question marks. I have some retirees that for a certain number of years I'm looking to produce income for them. So if we're bridging a gap between retirement and Social Security, it might be serial Roth conversions for a number of years until they push themselves up into a higher bracket. So it really depends on their current bracket and expected future brackets. That's sort of what what will drive what the objective is.
2: Okay.
1: No, it may go without saying, but just to to be a bit more clear about this, why, why is it the end of the year where this comes to the forefront? Why not do this in April when you're just paying taxes? Yeah. I guess just to make sure that it's, that's clear right. to everyone. I mean,
3: ideally, people should be thinking about taxes throughout the year because there are, uh, you know, techniques that could be implemented at various times, and it's a little less, uh, urgent and crazy to do it earlier in the year. Um, but, there are a lot of deadlines that fall on December thirty first, right? So whether it's executing a sale of an asset to, you know, do some tax loss harvesting or even gain harvesting, that would happen have to happen by twelve thirty one or Roth conversion to be counted this year has to happen. Charitable twelve thirty one. So a lot of it is just so many things come to a, a hard stop. On twelve thirty-one, and I should throw in a little, a little caveat to that. Um, a lot of custodians uh, have have decreased or uh, sped up their deadlines. So in years past, we used to be able to work with custodians, and we could submit paperwork to them on December thirty-first and execute a Roth. And
2: re- re- mm-hmm. real quick, custodians yeah. are the Schwabs of the world, the Fidelities of the world. Where your money is held, exactly. World, where you have your brokerage account, right?
3: It could That's be Vanguard, wherever, but. Uh, in the past, when they were better staffed, we could submit things right up until year end. But a lot of custodians have pushed those deadlines further up. So now, some of them are the first week of December, some of them are end of November. So uh, it's becoming more and more urgent. If you have a year-end uh, item that you need to execute, uh, move quickly because you might might have a deadline that you're not aware of.
1: Okay. And that would just be something like if I wanted to do a Roth conversion in 2023, though I could technically wait up till doing that December 31st, the, the custodian may not allow for that sort of thing to happen after a particular date, just because they don't have the, the employees at this point. Exactly.
3: To, yeah, to handle the request. which seems unfair. The IRS allows it. Right? The IRS will let you do it right up until 1231. But you have to look at things like does twelve thirty one fall on a weekend, and then that's not going to work, right? But even, even more so, as I mentioned, in recent years, uh, most of the custodians they need uh, weeks to get because they're running into a crush of of applications and things that are rolling in at year end. So, uh, good idea to to act as soon as possible if you once you know the strategy.
2: So we should have had this episode five weeks ago.
3: Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> but still, there's there's still some things you could execute and good stuff to remember no, from next year you. too.
2: And so as you're having your meetings this year with clients doing like year end stuff, obviously you talked about taxes, but what, what what does that include? What would your and I get it, everyone is different, etc. et cetera, right? But if you know you're you're talking to our consumers, our audience here. What should they be thinking about, you know, offhand that, that you could provide? Maybe there's a, a checklist in your head that you have, you know, et cetera.
3: Sure. Uh, you know, if I take that one group where the typical working person in a higher bracket and I want to reduce as much taxable income as possible, I'd be looking at things like charitable donations. So that's another one. Uh, you need to get that. Does that have a
2: deadline group. too? Do those have deadlines? Say it again. Do those have deadlines?
3: Yeah. Again, uh, it's really the same tax deadline. So, 1231. I just wanted to make uh, it obvious. Yeah, yeah, get that in the hands of the charity by then. Uh, And that could be the form of a qualified charitable distribution, a QCD out of an IRA. So, that's another deadline item, right? If you're subject to required minimum distributions, whether it's on your own account, you're in your 70s, or maybe you have an inherited IRA. uh, In either case, um, you want to get those RMDs done by 1231 so you don't hit a penalty there. And if you're above 70.5, you can engage in qualified charitable distributions. So uh, get those dollars out of your IRA into the hands of a charity and don't get taxed for it. So that's another one uh, that, that falls under that 1231 deadline. Um,
1: yeah, keep that money out of adjusted gross income. But I think it's always worth just adding because people I say, Seventy and a half. I thought it was seventy three now, but the though the RMD ages have changed. You're absolutely correct. Qualified charitable distributions are still at that seventy and and a half age,
3: exactly. And if someone's self employed, a couple thoughts come to mind. Uh, If they have a good year with their with their business, they could be looking to accelerate deductible expenses. So making some larger business purchases before twelve thirty one. Uh, they could uh, drag their feet on collecting receivables until January. If they wanted to push, if they're a, you know, a cash basis um, tax filer, they could push those receivables out not collect them until January. Um, another thing, if uh, we come across uh, small business owners sometimes who have a SEP IRA or a simple IRA that's been set up, and they come to us, and we point out to them that a that a solo four hundred one k has a lot more flexibility and allows for larger contributions. Uh, but there's an interesting deadline there. Although you can fund your solo four hundred one k up until your tax filing deadline, uh, you are supposed to have it set up by December thirty first of the year uh, that you're trying to take that first deduction. So, uh, if you're someone who has a SEP, and you're a simple IRA, and you know that you had a good year, you'd like to sock away more in the way of uh, retirement plan contributions, push your income down further, Uh, getting that 401k established now, uh, as soon as possible would be important. Uh, Let's see, looking through some other ones, pushing down uh, things like...
2: So this uh, is a theme of, but you're talking now in the theme of Reducing, 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 reducing.
3: income, right. Things okay. like uh, if you itemize deductions or if you might be able to itemize deductions, you could uh, take any discretionary medical expenses this year. So big expenses on dental or or something, an uh, elective surgery, something that you could push into uh, the current year. Um, even bunching deductions, we've talked about that before. Just bundling you- them together.
1: Would you write a donor advised fund? Oh,
3: yep. Donor advised fund. Yeah. Another great example, right? You could, in a year where you have high income, uh, push more than your normal budgeted uh, charitable donation into a donor advised fund. And then over future years, you could parse that out as you distribute it out to charities. So that's another great way to accelerate a, a, a deduction.
2: Wade has an interesting strategy that he recommends a lot, and that's you go to your employer's office and you just ask for a lower salary.
3: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you're going with that. Brilliant. Really.
2: That is really. one way to reduce taxes. <laughs> no, Sometimes first order principles, right? That's, <laughs> that's, good. No, um, no,
1: no. that's letting that's- the. <laughs> Tax kill like the right? I never can get that expression right.
3: <laughs> Definitely. I'll give you another interesting one that that we've done with clients. This is usually a retiree. So, a retiree. Let's say they're taking ten thousand dollars a month from their IRA. So, over the course of twelve months, we take one hundred and twenty thousand taxable IRA distributions.
2: So this is a retiree. I'm sorry, I missed the yes, very beginning. Yes, retiree. The retiree. Okay.
3: Right. And um, we get toward toward year end and, and I chat with them and I, I try to find out how they're doing with spending. And if they're not spending as much as we're sending them and their savings account is starting to balloon, yeah, yeah. then I might say, why don't we, why don't we stop your December distribution? We won't distribute that 10,000 and we could even do a 60 day rollover of the last 10,000 that you just took November 1st. And mm. uh, we could, basically reduce your 120,000 taxable by 20,000 by just engaging in those two, right? And the 60 day rollover is basically that it's like an undo button, right? That The IRS allows you to.
2: And if they're at a bracket over 20%, whatever one that is, that's six you know six grand at least that you're saving them.
3: Yeah. And it's, it's funny how a lot of our clients don't, they don't monitor that monthly payout that closely. So they'll let their checking account balloon sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially during COVID, people weren't traveling as much. They weren't spending as much.
2: I think what happens too, and this goes back to time segmentation a little bit, they leave that as like their emergency fund. And they just see that, oh, it's my emergency. It's my emergency fund. And so whatever. They'll they'll never say no to money, right? Because it's almost instinctive, right? Right. Someone's cutting you a check, you take it, right? Right. But they don't realize that if that money's not being used, you kind of are getting penalized for, in the form of taxes,
3: sure, for just letting it sit in the there and taking of, it. Yeah, of missing a rate of return, it's surprising. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: opportunity happened. cost as well. Yes, right.
3: I've been asking but, that question a lot more lately because I'm finding clients with six figures sitting in a checking account that's that's earning a fraction of a percent, and even
2: and, if it's, they need and it's that- there not purposely. Right. It's just it's just one of those things that. Yes, and I get it for those listening. Yes, life is good if that's you, right? I, right. I understand, you know, model you know? <laughs> Right. But uh, other than that, though, I mean, it's just they don't notice, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like, what are you doing, man? Right. Is that kind of the conversation?
3: It is, yeah, yeah. And and sometimes clients just aren't even aware that, you know, there are options like CDs at 5% these days. So they're not even aware of how much just that one mistake costs them. $5,000 to have $100,000 sitting in their checking account for a year.
2: Yeah, but but yeah. you're bringing up a thing I didn't think about. Obviously, the opportunity cost is one of those things that, you know, present value of money, you know, you got to make it work for you, et cetera, et cetera. But you're saying just the fact that you're needlessly pulling it out, not to mention cap gains. Well, no, this is, if this is a, a, a tax deferred or tax free, right. fine. But you're it's going to put you in a tax bracket that you, un, that you didn't want to to begin with and off you go. And so, yeah, yeah, you, know, you you end up hurting yourself. Oh, interesting.
3: Yep, yep. So we don't come across that often, but it does come up, um, and uh, it's one that I've been asking more frequently about in client meetings. Is just how do you find your current withdrawal rate is working for you? Are you finding that your checking account and your savings are dwindling, or are they are they creeping up? And just try to get a sense of whether we're on target with the amount we're distributing.
2: Gotcha.
0: If you're looking for more personal advice, please note that our show is sponsored by McLean Asset Management. Learn more at McLeanAM.com. That's M-C-L-E-A-N-A-M.com. McLean Asset Management is a wealth management firm where we help you design and implement the right retirement plan for you.
3: Um, Another one, getting back to maybe someone who's still working uh, it's just making sure if your goal is to reduce income that you really are maxing out your retirement plan at work. So uh, the limits for 2023 are 22,500 for those that are under age 50, and 30, 000, uh, sorry, uh, 30,000 yes for those age 50 and over. So that's the salary deferral amount that you can put in. So a great way to do that is just look at your pay stub. And see what your year-to-date number is, see how much you're doing per paycheck, uh, find out what your pay frequency is, just sort of do the math that way. But it's surprising we find a lot of people who say to me, oh, yeah, I'm maxing out, I'm maxing out. And they forget that, that these limits are indexed for inflation and they increase almost every year. Uh, so often we find someone who is maxing out, yes, to the 2017 figure that they should have had <laughs> six years ago. Um, or people forget about the, uh, catch up that happens once you turn age 50. And that kicks in if you turn 50 at any point in the year. So if you turn 50 on December 27th, you still get to enjoy all that extra catch up. You don't have to, you have to wait until the day you turn 50. You could be enjoying that all through the year.
2: Now, what's the scenario? So that's you know you're trying to dampen your, your your bracket. What's the what's the other scenario where you want to go the other way? You want to increase the scenario. And absent the walk into your supervisor's office or your employer's office and say I want to raise. Yep. What's what's what's, what's another <laughs> strategy?
3: Yeah. Um, things like we mentioned Roth conversions. Roth conversions are great. It's a, we're we're really looking for that initially if we can, because the end result is so nice to have tax-exempt income. So if we can create a scenario where someone's in a low bracket, uh, and if we can convert to Roth, uh, that's great. We we do this for... it, It mostly comes up for our retirees. And we find oftentimes retirees go through phases where they're in different brackets. I mentioned like someone who retires in their 50s or 60s They might have the first few years where they're pulling mostly from a non-retirement account. So their income, their taxable income is very low. They don't have Social Security. They don't have RMDs. They're not taking IRA distributions. If they have a pension, it hasn't started yet. So in in a lot of cases, all they're looking at for income is dividends, interest, and some cap gains. Uh, So they can be in a very low bracket. And that's a great opportunity to engage in some serial Roth conversions and usually what we do there. Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, you said something that, that Wade just published an article on, uh, you know, distribution strategies to keep in mind, you know, and tax efficiencies around that, that we'll have an episode on this in the future. But as we were just discussing it, you know, right before this podcast, we were discussing it. And one of the things we realized in terms of addressing this article is there's some baseline assumptions first that we need to discuss and we'll do so. And that's the whole sort of, you know, distributions come from, you should think about them as coming from taxable, then tax deferred, then tax exempt in that order. There are exceptions, et cetera. And that's what Wade's article really goes into. But even before then, because you were talking about accumulation and you were talking about, oh, there'll probably be some taxable accounts and everything. Tax diversification. This is something that I've seen talked about on Twitter of all things, you know, advisors, you know, this or that. And and sometimes, uh, you know, some people are just malpractice some of the things they say. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't contribute to a 401k because you're not going to have access to that money until you retire. You know, it just asinine, things like that. Uh, What is your take on just as you're building up capital, as you're accumulating, having a healthy dose of assets across taxable, tax deferred, and tax exempt accounts as opposed to maybe going order nobody by I'm maxing out this group. Once I max out this bucket, then I do the other bucket. Once I max out that bucket, then I do the other bucket. Where do you stand on on that kind of thinking?
3: Yeah, I, I love it when a client has tax diversification, especially our retirees yeah. who come in and they have all three of those buckets funded because from a tax planning standpoint, it gives me so much more flexibility. Right? If, if I see their... Pushing up against an Irma bracket, I can, I can pull more from. You're gonna from
2: have America. to say what Irma is on the bit. Not that you brought Irma, that up right, just for yes. the benefit Irma, of. of
3: she's, she's not a woman, and she's, it's
2: not Wade's grandma.
3: Yeah, it's the. <laughs> I, uh, I'm testing my memory. I think it's income related yeah. Medicare care adjustment amount monthly or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, income related monthly, monthly adjustment, adjustment amounts, amounts for the Medicare premiums. It's Medicare, a real shock yeah. to
3: people. So what it is?
1: One dollar too much income. For a couple, it could lead to $1,800 of additional Medicare premiums two years exactly. later.
3: Yeah. So, so we're planning for that while we're also planning for regular tax brackets. We kind of consider that a bracket as well. Uh, so I might have someone whose income might push them up into a higher bracket, taxes, IRMA, whatever else. And I might be looking to take from another bucket. Whereas I have other clients who the only bucket I have is a large IRA that was 401k accounts that have been considered. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have the tax flexibility, right? I can't – if they need the money, I have to give them the money out of the IRA. And if that pushes right. them over the next bracket, so be it. I can't control that.
2: No, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think, listen, on an Excel sheet, I get it. Optimize, tax exempt, then tax deferred, then taxable. But I I find myself, and this is working, you know, obviously all I've known is McLean, right? And I have stories of clients and clients. So learning vicariously through that, I've almost realized, put the spreadsheet aside, for me personally, I always like having a a healthy dose of everything because it just gives me so much flexibility. I mean it like if I need a house repair, if I need like spending shocks and things like that, I always like to just have accessible, taxable amounts just because life comes at you fast kind of thing. Right. And if I have to take from other buckets, the tax penalty on that will will effectively undermine all the potential savings that I would have had along the way. I I don't know that's I'm not saying, you know, front load one more than the other. Obviously, you can tax exempt, deferred and taxable, but I still like to have accessible assets. That's just me personally. I
3: yeah, and I think that's important, right? Making sure there's an emergency fund, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Assuming those are in place, I do try to turn it more into a math equation and just say what yeah. is what is my bracket now, which I can usually tell fairly quickly what someone's bracket is currently, and then compare it uh, to a future bracket in retirement. That's where it gets a little bit more art than science. You know what I've found with our clients who retire. Some clients go through four different phases of levels of income. There's that first phase between retirement and age 70, when they might have lower income in a lower bracket. Then there might be a second phase between 70 and 73 before RMDs start or 75 for younger clients. And then there might be a third phase once they're after RMD age and they're getting RMD, social security, plus whatever else. And then I find a fourth phase often kicks in, which is clients get up to late seventies, early eighties, and their spending slows right down. And then this happens with every client I come across where I don't, have, I don't remember any client the past 27 years who spent the same amount in their eighties and nineties that they spent in their sixties. It just doesn't happen. So I think a lot of advisors forget that, that that's going to occur. So they often bring this question down to compare your bracket today versus your bracket in retirement. And and my question is it's not comparing your bracket today, it's compare your bracket today versus what you think your bracket's going to be when you pull these dollars out in retirement.
2: Mm, good, point. good point. And that's
3: a very different comparison. And when I'm when I'm trying to guide someone as to whether they should contribute pre-tax to a 401k or um, after tax to say a Roth 401k. That's the comparison I'm I'm trying to make, which is an interesting one. And it's not, it, it makes the, it's a little bit more nuanced. It's a little more complex to, to do. The
2: no, it's a smarter way of doing it. You're kind of getting at it. Like worry about the contributions into these assets. It, absent the the spending shock needs, right? Cause that who knows, right? But let's just say you've got those covered. And that's that was my sensitivity the spending suffffle but if you have that covered then it becomes an issue of contribute to them you know, knowing you know having some sort of at least working expectation knowing that it will change but at least you have a, a working expectation with all the information you have available to you at the moment of how you're going to distribute them later on because that will help guide the efficiency around that what you're saying am I correct or incorrect
3: Correct. Yeah. Well, getting, getting back to my example of a bridge there between retirement and age 70, if I was fairly confident that someone was going to retire at 60, I'm talking to someone who's fit about it, and I knew that we were going to have a good 10 years where we could engage in these Roth conversions, that's going to play into my decision as to whether I think they should contribute to Roth or to IRA. If they're in a higher bracket at age 50... Uh, I'm not worried about them putting <laughs> pre-tax money in. They're going to save money on their bracket now, and we'll get to converting that later, between ages 60 and 70. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a big yeah. picture kind of thing. It's not just looking at the current year. You got to look a little little deeper than that.
0: Yeah, and then
1: that it's that kind of if you're if you are in the peak earnings years there's likely going to be an opportunity to pay taxes in the future at a lower rate. And so you, you get the tax deduction today and, and vice versa, but keeping in mind that having that diversification is important. You, you want to have some of every
3: type of account. True. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm always going to be in a pretty high bracket, but it takes a lot to get up to the higher brackets. When you think about it in retirement, you know, only 85% of your Social Security is taxed, so 15% of it comes out tax-free. Uh, if you have non-qualified investments, then your cost basis comes out tax free. and the capital gains, if you do it right, come out at 15% or 18.8 depending on whether you're exposed to the net investment income tax. So you know, it, it kind of takes a lot more income than what you normally think of. And we're in our working years, we're thinking our gross income and, and that's pretty close to our bracket, right? Minus, minus, you know, whatever we contribute to plans and so forth. So I think that's important to remember that it's very likely you're going to be in a lower bracket. Even even clients who've accumulated several million, it's pretty common for us to keep them in the 22% bracket in retirement. I don't know,
2: Rob. Have you seen Wade's book sales? They're going yeah. off the charts. This, yeah. this, guy, yeah. this guy is <laughs> it's great. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so no, that's that's you're right i mean the reality is you're right as much as people think no it's, it's just going to be a this tree's going to grow to the sky in terms of their income not so fast yep
3: and and even if it grows according to plan and and you know we have a lot of clients that that have four five six million and we can keep them in the 22 percent bracket getting a sense for what what you think you will be spending in retirement uh is important and mm-hmm. you know you could you could be spending 200, 250,000 a year and, and still fall within the 22% bracket as a married couple.
2: But this takes some engineering. I mean, uh, you're, it's so going back to even the original piece, it's year end. One of these clients comes in, obviously, taxes then, let's say from one to 10, you know, that is from, you know, one is like minimum. Hey, how are you doing? Market looks good. You look good. Great. See you next year ten being the most comprehensive you know year end thing you could do taxes take up about how many qu- quantum units of, of, of that oh for that client yeah taxes are i think taxes are critical to
3: just about everything we do right i mean it's if you're doing if you're making a planning decisions taxes are usually involved if yeah that's true you know so Even taxes
2: touches every single one of those units. If you're doing uh, year end, tax is going to hit everything. Yeah.
3: So you know, getting back to this, this shouldn't just be a year end discussion. It should be something that pops up with each review. Um, But it's. I think we're talking about it now because we're getting close to year end. And
2: yeah, so year end is really predicated on deadlines because the deadlines make it, and nothing moves, nothing spurs action like a deadline. Exactly. Ultimately, right? Okay.
0: Curious if you should be looking at a Roth conversion or what a Roth conversion even is? Head over to mcleanam.com/roth to get McLean's free ebook. Is a Roth conversion right for you? And learn about when you might want to do a Roth conversion and when you might not. Just head over to mcleanam.com/roth to download your free ebook today.
1: Well, maybe talk a little bit too about, it's not, the deadlines is a big part of it, but also if you really are trying to engineer a specific income to say, avoid Medicare, the Irma surcharges and whatnot, uh, and you're, you're doing Roth conversions, you kind of have to wait until you know what all your other income is going to be for the year. And part of that is you have to wait for those end of the year. What are the distributions going to be from your taxable brokerage accounts? And only when you have all that in place, can you then finally decide what should my rock conversion for the year be? So that's that's an important consideration as well. well
3: yeah, and, and we probably do, I don't know, 75 to 100 tax projections per year. And I would say a third of those we can do early in the year, uh, and that's usually for a client who only has qualified accounts. So it's a retiree, all they have is IRAs, and we know what they spend for the most part. We can, we can get a pretty good sense of what their income and their deductions are going to look like early in the year. But for at least two-thirds of our clients, we try to wait, and this is a balancing act, we try to wait as long as we can in the year because the projection is <laughs> most accurate the later we wait, right? But not so late that we miss deadlines. So October, November, and December is a little crazy for us doing projections. That's why I don't show up to those parties now. I'm just too big. Is that me? It's so not me? It's not you. Contrary <laughs> to what Wade might have told you, it's not you at all.
2: Exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, so... No, maybe, it's true. You, you, you kind you of are right? like...
1: Take Thanksgiving off. Are you going to be working on Thanksgiving?
3: Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it gets a little crazy <laughs> for us, right, as we get to year-end. And as you mentioned, there are estimates that come out from mutual fund companies. So if you have a, a non-qualified account Mutual fund companies might come out with estimates for their funds. Here's what we're going to pay for a dividend or long-term capital gain distributions. Some of those pay them out mostly or entirely at year-end, like mid-December. So some of those estimates don't show up until November. So it's a little tough to, if you have a sizable non-qualified account, to be able to estimate large amounts of dividends. Uh, So it, it does compress the planning work into this very short period.
2: So Rob, as, as Wade and I were talking about his article and how we would present that in an episode, one of the realization was that, you know, there's all these things you could do and analyze, but uh, the backbone of much of that analysis comes from fine, you know, financial planning software specifically though, the one we were talking about is COVID some, and that's not something that's available to retail audiences because the, it just, there's no business. There's not enough of a demand to put something of that high level to individuals.
1: And too much uh, need for yeah, handholding it, with the software. That's just not. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to do
2: it. It, it wouldn't be cost effective for any company to do that, but advisors, you know, they can do it, et cetera, et cetera. What not, every, obviously we have a lot of consumers here and a lot of advisors that listen in, but for the consumers that are listening in absent of saying, well, that's why you should call McLean as I manage. I don't, you know, right. don't mean to sound like a commercial by any means, but what, what? A consumer who's left to his or her own devices is listening in and is thinking. All of a sudden, you know what? I gotta kind of like assess this and see where I'm at. What, what kind of quick and dirty thing can you tell them up until you say and pick up the phone and call an advisor and you know go from there? What, right? What, what, what's left to them
3: to do? You know, that? one kind of quick and easy way to do it if if you're someone who does your own tax return, so you use. Uh, you know, TurboTax or one of those pieces of software is to go back and just plug in your income. Uh, Now it's not going to have the current year yet, but you could kind of put it in and that gives you a sense. It's not going to be perfectly accurate because it's not indexed for inflation, all the brackets. And um, that's a a quick way. Another way is to um, literally pull up the tax brackets. And really do the math, right? Look at your gross income, subtract out your things that aren't taxable, like what you pay into your um, Section one hundred and twenty five plan at work, and subtract out what you've contributed to your uh, pre tax four uh, hundred and one k at work, and come up with what your taxable income will be. Kind of work it through, uh, basically on a on a ten forty. You know, lacking a a full blown piece of software to do it for you, those would be. Kind of some of the things I would look at. I mean, we use a piece of software that's that's really designed for advisors and tax preparers. I mean, we don't we don't prepare taxes at McLean, um, but the software is great because we can project out, we can plug in all the assumptions, and it can tell us exactly how far we are away from the next bracket. It's it's just useful to be able to tell us, okay, optimizing it, we could fill the next bracket with a. $17,000 Roth conversion—that's the amount it would take. And if we went, you know, to $24,000, we'd start bumping up against the ARMA breakpoint. And if we went to this other point, we'd exceed, you know, this $250,000 level, and they'd be subject to the 3.8% NIIT. So there are so many competing um, objectives in terms of breakpoints and, and brackets that. It can be challenging. I'll give you a couple of others that don't show up in a piece of software. Yeah, would be, um, we have some clients who get subsidies from pharmaceutical companies. So they, they take a particular medication. It's extremely expensive. Some of these medications are over six figures. And uh, the pharmaceutical companies will sometimes provide a, a subsidy, but only if your income is below a certain level. We had one that was mm. 100000 So we had to plan. It was worth about $45,000 a year to this client for us to not exceed $100,000 by even $1 because if he exceeded by $1, he would lose his $45,000 subsidy. So for each client, we have those sort of targets that we're looking at. Or somebody might be um, under 65 and they're receiving the Affordable Care Act subsidy and we can keep their income a little lower, get them a larger subsidy Uh, and and that's important for us to keep an eye on. So there's sort of all those other things that might not even show up in a piece of software. You just need to know them for each particular investor. So
2: if if I'm kind of trying to think about this big picture again as a listener, what I'm hearing is, look, year-end planning is important. And sure, you can do the obvious of maximize the accounts you need to be saving into, et cetera, et cetera. But... There's different levels to this. And, and you know, where you really begin to move the needle besides the obvious of just maximizing is just the tax planning component of it. Because as you retire, you know, w- there, there are a lot of little gotchas, if you will. You know, as you know, we call them nonlinearities. Right. But there's a lot of little gotchas that you have to be aware of that you can inadvertently run into that will undermine a lot of work that you've done during the year. And that's what you have to watch out for because if not, you're leaving money on the table. Is that a correct sort of most common denominator explanation?
3: It is. Yeah. And it's surprising to me how many prospects, new clients come to us and no one's ever explained something related to taxes to them. And even if they've come from another advisor, you know, we had a client come on board who had access to a 457 plan through his employer and access to a 403B plan. And he didn't realize that you could maximize both of those. And, and that's, that's one of those rare lucky individuals who, who has access to that. Right. And we explained it. He's like, how come nobody ever told me? And from that point forward, he was stuffing, you know, an extra or whatever it was at the time, 20 something thousand dollars into that plan. Um, just, because he didn't know, or you know, we do a lot with uh, backdoor Roth IRAs for clients whose income is too high to contribute to a, uh, a traditional a regular Roth IRA, and that's a strategy that takes a little work to get it right. It's it's a little more complex, and we find a lot of accountants don't even know how to fill out the form eighty six hundred six to account for that correctly because it's so complicated. Uh, so we've come become sort of experts in backdoor Roth. IRAs. And another subtle year end issue with that is um, it's important not to have a large IRA existing somewhere in the year that you convert your backdoor Roth because of the IRA aggregation rules. Uh, the IRS will have you sweep in all those other IRAs when you're calculating the yeah. percentage. And We've run into cases where clients engaged in a rollover. So they did the backdoor Roth early in the year. And then later in the year, they they did some sort of, they left a job and they rolled their 401k (laughs) out to an IRA. It's important to fix that before year end because the IRS is going to look at your balance on 1231 of the year of the conversion. So that's, that's a mistake that you could fix. If you were in December, you could do a roll in to another 401k plan, get that IRA empty so that you don't mess gotcha. up the backdoor Roth uh, aggregation rule. So there's, there's a lot of subtleties like that. It just takes, it takes working with an advisor who's very tax centric, who's going to look for those sort of things.
2: That's fantastic. This is like a masterclass in of itself. Oh, huh, wait, see this guy flexing <laughs> on That's form, so whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, he's not reading anything. He's just 100. like top of his head. <laughs> We need you and him together on a Jeopardy and see, see who comes out here. Jeopardy. A little, uh, uh, <laughs> little kind of.
1: i struggle on the tax side <laughs> with, uh... Yeah, this this show didn't this episode didn't have a script where just let <laughs> <didn't>, Rob go. <laughs> Rob
3: <Robert. laughs> And you know, just a couple of other last minute things that I had jotted down. Oh here
2: we go, here we go.
3: Here we go. Two more quick ones. Uh FSA. No, no, have at it, man. This is this flexible, is fantastic. Flexible spending accounts, right? So a lot of those have a year end of twelve thirty one. Uh and I think it's like six hundred and ten dollars that can roll over or something. If your plan elected it, they can roll over some of it. But it's best to look at that as a use it or lose it kind of account and, and get those expenditures in before the deadline. Uh, Dependent yeah. care, flexible spending accounts, those those don't even carry any sort of rollover provision. So you need to use those up by whatever the deadline is. And a lot of those deadlines are 1231. So uh, gifting, if you're into estate planning, you're trying to get mm-hmm. money out of your estate, that's $17,000 annual. Gift tax exclusion—that's you know, use that up if you're doing that. Get those gifts done by twelve thirty-one. Another strategy we've used with clients with a five twenty-nine plan—you can you can front-load five years worth of gifts into a five twenty-nine plan. So if you wanted to do that, get that done now, uh, and that would start that clock rolling, and uh, you could literally make another contribution just a little more than four years later, right? Because we're so deep into. Twenty twenty three, or alternatively, if if you wanted to do six years' worth of contribution, you do one year now, and then in January you could do the five year front loading, and within a month you can get six years' worth of gifts all in without without running afoul of the gift tax.
2: Yeah, I am just hearing this and thinking, wow. There is obviously we take it for granted because of the position we have at McLean, and we just see this every day. But there really is a lot to be done. Beyond, just, I think people think to some extent planning is just budgeting. <laughs> you know? It's really not, or it's just Monte Carlo projections about your portfolio and some sustainable withdrawal rate. That doesn't even scratch the surface. As you saw, every every point bullet point that uh, Rob mentioned here is an episode in and of itself. I mean, you can really unpack that, you know, to a large extent. But like I said, it's it's end of the year things you want to be talking about. This is where it really is about tidying. T- tightening up loose ends or making sure that that things are being taken care of but in this manner and it's huge it's not it's not just a pat on the back hey see you next year it, it really is you know this is when a lot of the work is done frankly i it, my estimation between october and march I, I those are the heavy lifting months by far you know yeah. when it comes to planning uh, so, you know, I'll thank you for this little masterclass on year-end planning ideas to be thinking about. Obviously, taxes play a big role because, look, at the end of the day, they touch everything. And, that, and that's fine. So thank you for that, Rob. Wade? Oh, you're welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you, Rob. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And we do wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I think this is going to come out the week of Thanksgiving with the way yeah. <laughs> we're planning things. So enjoy Turkey Day
0: and thanks for listening. Gobble, (laughs)
2: gobble. Thank Thank you, you, Rob.
0: Wade and Alex are both principals in McLean Asset Management and Retirement Researcher. Both are SEC-registered investment advisors located in Tysons, Virginia. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational and educational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific securities. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor. All investing comes with a risk, including risk of loss. Past performance does not guarantee future results.